Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and guide us in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and happy Wednesday morning to you, the first Wednesday of October 2018. This is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, empowerment, liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it's our hope that every time we do this show that you, our listeners, are, are living to change the world around you and impact the world around you. And as well, as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, We're doing a new thing. We're streaming live on YouTube. So I, uh, there's a completely different uh, avenue for me. I'm just trying something different, but uh, we appreciate you for tuning in. If you are listening live, we appreciate you. If you are tuning in, uh, you'll probably be able to see it on YouTube. So be do that. Uh, so there's always just ways that you can join us on this illuminating journey. The primary way, if you'd like to get your thoughts online or live on air, you can call 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your thoughts on the air. Also, if you um, hit us up on uh, blogtalkradio.com slash zero today, the chat line is open so you can get in on that. Um, go to our zero Network Facebook page and connect on that. I don't know what I'm doing, so y'all just ignore me. I'm, I'm new to all this video streaming thing, so I don't know whether to look in the camera or talk in the microphone or do both. I do not know. <laughs> anyway, uh, follow us on uh, all social media. We're on Twitter. The Zero, uh, the show handle is at Zero Radio. My personal handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal, um, so you can follow us there. And anywhere else we may be on, podcasts is available on all outlets. So we invite you to go back and look at all archive shows and uh, let us know what you think. And visit our Patreon page. Um, follow us on Patreon. Subscribe to the show. Follow us on Patreon, and you can see how you can help this show uh, go further and do more. So we appreciate all of that, all that you allow us to do. So today's topic is: Is the church a trauma trigger? That's what we're going to be talking about. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. And again, uh, this new medium has me thrown off. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to talk about that. But before before we go any further, there is a 
there is a uh, story I'd like to share that I found very interesting. Um, this comes from Black Christian News Network, if you um, want to know about it. But uh, the story is uh, a Spanish actor to face court for cursing God and the Virgin Mary on Facebook. <laughs> this this Spanish actor is facing court for cursing Mary and the Vir- uh, the Virgin Mary and um, the Church, the Catholic Church, and God. So this is how it goes. Forty eight year old Gil- Guillermo Willie Toledo, a respected Spanish actor and activist. Uh, who cursed God and the Virgin Mary in an expletive riddled post on Facebook a year ago is expected to appear in court on charges of offending religious sentiments in an ongoing battle over free speech in Spain. Uh, and I can't read the comments, but you can go to the article on Black Christian News Network and find it. Uh, uh, this actor basically um is defending he's he states that he's defending uh he, his his remarks come as he's defending three women who paraded through uh one of the spanish cities dressed as vaginas and he he considered it as a uh similar to a religious procession <laughs> but uh they're they're arguing that it's offensive to the Holy Mother, that it is offensive, and uh, the Christian lawyers are the ones who are bringing these charges against him. Now, we live in the United States, and if you've been around, you know that there are a lot of states who have been who have been passing religious freedom laws, and uh, these religious freedom laws are basically laws that, um, in some way, promote discrimination of some kind um now here in mississippi there was one that basically said businesses have the opportunity to decide who they want to do business with if that person or those individuals are uh part of the lgbtqia uh ai or whatever i don't know <laughs> but they can discriminate against them now that the uh the language isn't explicit about saying that, but that's what is implied. Um, and here in America, we still wrestle with this idea of free speech. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad that I, I'm honestly glad that we don't go to <laughs> we can't go to court unless it's specific defamation or slander or something to that nature. Uh, but other than that, you can say whatever you want to and get away with it. And we see. We see a lot in Hollywood the way they portray Christians, and uh, I know in a lot of horror movies the way they portray uh, uh, church folk and preachers is is <laughs> is laughable at best. Uh, you know, and it, it's just it's things like that that makes you make me laugh. Uh, but I'm glad that we have an environment here in the United States where you can actually exercise your right to say whatever. And while that's contentious now, and, you know, there's the left, right, I'm center when it comes to that. I think people should be able to say what they want to say, how they want to say it, 
no matter how offensive it is because the Constitution guarantees them that right to do so. However, I think persons should be considerate and, you know, if you're going to do something that's, that's uh, offensive to me, you know, I, I'll i take it in stride, you know, but the question comes when it's trolling, you know, when people make these comments and trolling comments on online, stuff like that, is that covered by free speech? And uh, There are several arguments counter to that. I don't know. However, it is what it is. Um, but it's just interesting. It's, it, I find it interesting that um, they are literally bringing this man to court over this. And they're doing so with the intent solely because it is religiously motivated. And I hope that our country never gets to that point. Uh, my concern for those who are um, more right-leaning and those who push for religious freedom laws um, is that they will get to the point where it's like what in certain college spaces and certain college campuses, they, you know, no voices are safe unless it's the, a similar voice, unless it's the voice of, uh, you know, that's still in one's bubble. So if it's counter, counter the, um, for example, if you're on a left-leaning campus and you're a right-leaning person, then your voice is considered uh, traumatic. <laughs> your speech is considered traumatic, and you know <laughs> it's not safe. It's trigger speech for trauma and all that, yeah, and that's crazy. Um, but you see it on both sides because you see the right um, – Advocating for speech that is only similar to what they want to hear, and you see the left catering for uh, advocating for speech that is similar to only what they want to hear, and both is dangerous. And I hope we never get to that point in this country. We're talking about somebody else now. You know, I'm gonna talk about this a little later on, but I honestly believe uh, that we're not too far <laughs> from from. What's happening in Mexico? I mean, in Spain, it's just funny that they're bringing. You know, I hear people denounce God all the time, and it doesn't bother me. That it's that's them. That's that's what they do, and they'll do what they do, and it is what it is. I do. I don't know. I really, it just finds that um. um that you know, Facebook in in this case, this guy was on Facebook. Uh the little dude is here and he smells food. <laughs> yeah. No food for you little dude. So I just thought I'd lead off with that. I got distracted. Um but if you if you if you want to talk about that, send me emails and uh leave a comment or something like that. I don't uh how you want to do that. So Let's move into the topic of the day. Uh, Topic of the day. Is the church, is the church, is the church a trauma trigger? And 
there there are several stories that I'm gonna talk about that I think play into this, and largely because I'm I'm, I'm really talking about this largely because um, last week's hearing, Supreme Court hearing with uh, Brett Kavanaugh and um, Dr. Blasey Ford. I, I was reading up. I did not watch the hearing intentionally. I, 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 it's just too much drama. We got enough drama going on <laughs> outside of the political, political arena. Um, and I, I, you know, I, it's ratings for the media outlets. That's its ratings, you know, and ratings drive advertisement, drive dollars. So, of course, they're going to cover it. And I hate that we're over, you know, we're overwhelmed in this particular presidency presidential administration we're overwhelmed with stuff that's driving ratings it's a lot to talk about you know president trump is giving people a lot to talk about good and bad and seems to be uh the great political divide i i don't believe that's the case however you know um it may be the case as far as popular media is you know you're either going to be on this side or that side and that that's the way uh the thread is going. It seems to be going. I, I don't personally. I don't believe that's the case. I I am around people who more center, and there are of course those who are just going to take sides no matter what because of where they're being fed. The information they're being fed will cause them to decide to take a side. However, there are still plenty of rational, free thinker, free thinking people who are just like you know what, y'all can have the drama. I just want the facts. Let's be reason. Let's uh, come. Let us reason together, says the Lord. <laughs> I believe there's plenty of people who are still that way. However, um, there 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 are people who, hearing Dr. Ford's testimony, I was reading articles uh, where there were a lot of women, a lot of women. Who, after hearing her moving testimony, themselves relived trauma that they had experienced regarding sexual assault. Sexual assault, in any case, is always going to be a he said, said, she said thing unless there is absolute proof that an assault took place. But you're talking, and unfortunately in this day and time, uh, microaggressions can also now be considered uh, as sexual assault, and microaggressions can uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so broad. And so there there were persons who were saying that they were experiencing reliving trauma, and there were a lot more women who came out. Of course, there was the hashtag. Uh, why I didn't tell or why I didn't report, something like that. And I know a lot of personal acquaintances of mine who had experienced um, some type of inappropriate sexual uh, behavior from a male and from a female. And I am part of that. I've experienced inappropriate uh, behavior from females, unwanted touching uh, in church. Uh, and I know both being with that, you know, uh, I, it, to them, uh, that falls under the category of sexual assault. I didn't want you touching me. I didn't want you rubbing my back. <laughs> Any of that. 
and yet and still that that falls under sexual assault. So yeah, in that in that in that context, I've been sexually assaulted. <laughs> I mean, if we if we're gonna be honest about it, I in that context, I've been sexually assaulted. So all these people who were all these women and men who were saying that Blazy Dr. Blazy Ford's testimony opened up this these past traumatic experiences made me want to ask the question about the church and the question of is the church really triggering traumatic experiencing and causing people to come back to church because of trauma triggers. And let me put it within this, this perspective. People come to church. People come to church, and the church has been called a hospital. It's been a place. It's a place of healing. So people come to church if they've been uh, through some stuff, and they come to church to experience moments. You know, a couple of hours of fellowship and a couple of hours of uplifting and inspirational singing and inspirational preaching. Hopefully, it's all gospel centered, but I know that's neither here nor there. And so when people come to church with that in mind, what usually happens or what does not happen is is not really addressing real issues. I, I you know, there are people plenty of people who will come to church on Sunday and when an altar call or, or invitation is extended to them for prayer, rededication, recommitment. And they come forward in some places, you know, the preacher will lay their hands on them, that folk will fall out. And uh, in other places, they'll simply just pray and then go back to their seats. Uh, in some places, there's nothing. In some places, and I'm talking about when it comes down to the preaching. When, when preachers preach about sin, uh, and I, I think about one of my <laughs> one sermon I read by Jonathan Edwardson. It's a standard reading uh, sermon to read in seminary and beginning preaching. That was the sermon "Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God." And I, you know, you, I read that and had me scared from reading. <laughs> But you know it was a different time during the greater one of the great awakenings in America, and the emphasis was not on grace. The emphasis was on sin and judgment. And for centuries, that never really changed. For centuries, that was the centrality of the preaching in a lot of churches: sin and judgment. You preach sin because you wanted people to come to church and repent. And you preach judgment because you wanted them to have this sense of fear. You wanted them to have a sense of fear of God because God was angry that you sinned. And for centuries, that was that was basically the methodology preachers used. 
condemning uh, what you wear, what you, how you dress, condemning who you interacted with, condemning social behaviors that were out of the norm for for church. And these messages were regurgitated by preachers across the country, across the world, based on whatever uh, faith tradition you were in. And in at the beginning of the 20th century, you start to see less uh, of that in mainline denominations. You know, you, you, that that was the inclusion of the social gospel, and the social gospel was a, a, a more compassion kind of thing, kind of kind of thing. So people were coming to church because of what the church was doing for them, and then the message of of sin and judgment fell out of the norm and was basically relegated to those non-educated churches, the you know the rural churches or the Pentecostal uh, apostolic churches, those sanctified it churches, the sanctified it, and for the most part, that message of sin and judgment stayed. And in some places still remains in those church settings. So people go to these church settings week after week and only hear messages that are angry, full of anger from God. Because of God is angry at people for being homosexual. God is angry at the country for allowing homosexual marriage. God is angry at people for whatever reason. And God is always angry. And God is always ready to strike us down or ready to for, to, to send the tribulation. And that's, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. But that's what, that is what a lot of people hear. And think about those persons who have experienced Trauma similar to what uh, Dr. Blasey Ford experienced. Now, I am not negating whether her experience was true or not. I believe that she had some type of serious trauma. I believe whatever it was really, really, really impacted her life in the way that she said it has impacted her life, even though she has ascertained the highest education and been, you know, she's a person of privilege. Whether you, you know, whether they can admit it, she's a person of privilege. I do believe that trauma happened and has, by her own words, has deeply affected her in her life. Now, when you think about people who go to church and they go to church week after week and only to hear a sermon bashing not them directly, but perhaps bashing their their past. Uh, I I I'm learning to be careful with that. You once were, you know, kind of thing. Now, I I I've, I I I used to do that, I, you know, because I was very legalistic in my approach to ministry and preaching and personal life, and it wasn't the best. But I considered myself very holy and very sanctified. And, <laughs> and if you weren't up to my standards, 
I was afraid that you, you know, if you died the next day or that day, you going to hell. And I was putting people in hell before I was putting them in heaven. <laughs> Not by preaching, but just by my interaction with them. If I if I believe they weren't up to my standards, you you backslidden, you a reprobate, you on your way to hell. And I'm sorry, I did what I did, you know. <laughs> But think about the people who sit in churches like that, who experience traumatic events, uh, life events, only to have their sense of godliness, their sense of holiness, their sense of sanctification, and their sense of healing and safety, security, you know, revoked weekly, if not weekly, monthly, if not monthly some point in their life they hear a message they probably get tired of hearing it but they don't they're afraid to leave church because they've been conditioned that if they leave the church the likelihood of them going to hell increases even if they believe they are saved they can lose their salvation according to some who interpreted Hebrews a couple scriptures in Hebrews they can lose their salvation by leaving the fellowship of the church now we know that's not true and uh, and I know a lot of people who left church and become non-believers, they seem to be all right. Now, I can't, you know, they make it a good judgment day. They do. They do. They don't. They do. I don't know, you know, whether that's neither here nor there. Think about those who aren't allowed to speak about their traumatic because the church would put them to shame just for doing it. There are a couple of stories that broke out. Not long ago, about a young, uh, well, not a story, about a young lady who, uh, during a time of altar call, whatever altar prayer, she went to the front and she said that the pastor or her father, I can't recall, so, um, had been molesting her, and her mother knew, and in all of this, and. I'm going to learn how to do all of this videos and pull them up and you can see. Um, but anyway, yeah, while she was doing that, the mother was on the front row and she was just denying, denying, calling the girl a liar. And the pastor was trying to take the microphone for her, all to deny her, her privilege, her right to be able to share and who caused the hurt and put to end the shame that she may have been experiencing, the trauma that she was experiencing only for those church members to be uh, negative toward her instead of embracing and instead of trying to reassure her that she was loved and that the person who committed the act against her was wrong and that the church was not going to reinforce the negative uh, experiences, but was going to go and show her and embrace her the love of Christ and let it be shed abroad from their hearts to her. But instead it did not happen. And imagine she kept going to that church Sunday after Sunday, looking at probably the person who oppressed her, the person who caused the trauma in her life. If that was the preacher, if that was the mother's husband or whoever was trusted person, only to to hear messages against her, the victim, and not messages in love for her. And it's a delicate, I, I understand, it is a very delicate, 
delicate thing to do, but it must it must be done. Uh, you know, I I um, when I preach now, you know, my younger days, you know, I want to be the big preacher. I wanted to talk about stuff because I want to be able to say that I was tough. You know, not tough. That's probably not the best word. But I was a preacher. You know, I was the man of God. And I was the preacher and prophet of God. And if you weren't right, you know, the Lord had blessed me with spiritual gifts. So I was able to function in, you know, prophetic unctions and, and word is the knowledge, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I was able to function in those gifts. And I would see stuff about people. Um, <laughs> and I, at the time, I believe it was my job to, if I saw it. And I didn't realize that I was contributing to a lot of trauma that people didn't want to share. People didn't want to expose. People didn't want people to know. And and I didn't care because I was walking in my gift. And to this day, I, I have to reflect on that ministry. I was trying to walk in believing that that was it for me. And I was like, did I try to expose my gift, operate in my gift, do more harm and hurt than help? And I believe that to be the case. I think by me calling folk out in their sin did more harm than help. And I, I, I still do this, especially now since I'm trained as a therapist and a counselor, you know, and I understand uh, trauma, especially since I'm a victim of trauma, you know, <laughs> more times than I care, you know. Uh, uh, I, I I have a greater sympathy as well as empathy for those who experience trauma and they come to church and they hear something in the sermon that triggers that 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 trauma, triggers the reflection and sometimes they're unequipped to know how to deal with it. So they'll cry or, or they believe they're worshiping. You know, they'll, re, you know, they'll hear a song of, about pain and struggle and coming out and they may not have fully come out or have fully recovered from that trauma. And they hear that song and it's pulling on their heartstrings and yet they don't know how to react. And so they react the church way. And the church way is to lift your hands and, and praise God and and by faith, thank God for your deliverance. By faith, thank God for all of this. That's that's the church reaction. And the trauma is still there. It doesn't go away because they're not equipped through the church on how to deal with it. And the preacher is not equipped. I mean, we want a high praise moment and folk. Will will say, well, if I praise hard enough, I won't experience the the pain, the emotions that accompany this 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 the you know this uncovering again. And it's a sad thing. It is a very sad thing that people have to experience that. And while you know, I'm, I'm gonna give you an example. I, I think one of the biggest triggers for me. Is when I hear people talking about preachers talking about their wealth, and I'm like, dude, uh, I'm like, really? You gonna brag about what you got to hear? I am struggling. That that's a trigger because it causes an anxiety for those who may not, you know, 
what about I'm tithing every week and I'm still waiting on my breakthrough. And these, you know, you talking about how you got because you tithe and I'm like, I'm faithful with my tithes and my, you know, am I giving in the right, am I sowing in the right ground? <laughs> is it good ground? What's what, what the problem is? Why am I not seeing or experiencing what you're experiencing? If you're such a wonderful tither and giver and all of this and if I have the same heart and same method, if the method is the same, if if the only the requirement for getting a blessing from God is giving and tithing, then why is it happening? That's a trigger. It may trigger anxiety. It may trigger extra stress. It may trigger a person's uh to question their whole entire being. Pastor, I want to be more proactive with my preaching. And I still want to preach on sin. I still want people to be aware that they were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. I want them to be aware that because of who they are as human beings, if you believe in the doctrine of original sin, because Adam sinned, as Paul writes, because of the one Adam sinned, there had to be the second Adam to redeem us from sin, to reconcile us to God, to justify us. Right, so I I I'm obligated to preach that. That is the core of the gospel message. Jesus Christ came, died, rose again. All right, that's the core of the gospel message. It needs to be present in every sermon. And you know, back in my Baptist days, you had to you had to put them on the cross, take them off the cross, and get them in the sky. <laughs> And every now and then I still do that, you know. And when I my something, he and one Friday they put him on uh, Golgotha's hill, uh, on a hill called Calvary. He stayed there all day Friday, all night Friday night, all day Saturday, all night Saturday night. But Sunday morning he got up, called the gospel preaching. Yeah, uh, it should be integrated into every message in some capacity. But I am being more proactive with integrating the, the message of the need to preach against sin, sinful behavior, and all of that with the compassion of God's grace. And it's a, it's a delicate balance because you want people to know that they are walking in grace and that they who were former things can be new creatures in Christ by faith in the work that he did for us. On the cross And That is critical Faith Grace is critical But at the same time If all I'm emphasizing is sin Sinful behavior And dressing that in a way That may trigger a person To say well I'm never good enough um, Because This happened to me and even though I know I'm saved, even though I know I'm sanctified, and even though I know all of this, I can't seem to recover. I can't seem to get right. My life seems to keep going on this path when I wanted to go on a different path. And there's nothing I can do about it. That's the kind of thing I believe that we have to address. This, let me... There's an uh, article that um, another one I found on um, uh, Black Christian Network. I'm not sure. Let me 
uh, on uh, Ann Brock's Ann Brock's uh, blog page, the old black church. She posted an article a couple of days ago about a popular preacher. Let me see if I can bring it up. Uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Um, Bishop Tudor Bismarck. I, I'm not familiar with him. Um, Bishop Tudor Bismarck. Anyway, apparently he's a, a pastor, and um, I don't know what the name of his church is or anything like that. Uh, apparently he's a popular pastor, but according to the article, um, it's saying that he uh, what well, is a video. There's a video where he seems to be uh, chastising his church family, um, and I, I can't play the video because you know I ain't learned how to integrate all this stuff yet. But in the video, what basically him um, telling members that uh, if they're doing stuff in the name of the church, he should be aware of it. They shouldn't be just soliciting soliciting on behalf of the church and he's not aware of it. He's not involved in it because it could be a scam. So he just wants to protect the name of the church. Then um, a couple other things he, you know, talking about if you're going to work in the church, you need to do this, do that, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Stuff I say from the pulpit too. I, I, I've said stuff. I don't see it as maybe I, 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 um, but the the the, um, the 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 title of the article was should pastors chastise church members in front of the world all in behind closed doors and um first i thought this was work i thought this would work into <laughs> that the uh, the topic but apparently it's not it's going to work as like what is it but the um when it, when it comes to and triggering trauma and i'm trying to stay on the topic here when it comes to talking about triggering trauma um, you know, pastors, we as shepherds and as administrators, you know, we have an obligation to, to keep the house in order. Obligation to keep the house in order and to make sure things function as they should. And I have no problem calling out folk. I, I don't do it from the pulpit. Preach the sermon about uh, somebody I'm, in, you know, I'm I'm having <laughs> alt with. <laughs> If you, you know the script says if you have alt with your brother, go to that person. You know, but I don't use my pulpit as a bully pulpit. But I know a lot of folk who do. I've been in churches where they have, and they're just going to air out all the dirty. I was at a visiting church. I was visiting a church, right? <laughs> I was visiting a church, and apparently, uh, the church has a lot of drama going on, and the pastor literally his sermon. I could tell. That his sermon was directed at the folk who was causing the trouble. And I mean, he all but said the names. I mean, he's giving details about what happened, when, and, you know, and I'm like, dude, I don't think this is appropriate. You know, that's what board meeting is, board meeting is for. That's what, you know, leadership is for, block for you. And if you address it, if you feel like you have to address it before the church, 
there, you should do it in a way that, you know, like it ain't part of your sermon, but just every, as far as I know, every church has a time for pastoral remarks and you can use it in that time and say, look, there's something I want to address and I want to do it in a manner that is both loving and and stern. And I want you to know uh, this situation has come up, tension, these persons, and, and you ain't got to be you know, you ain't got name names, but you got to be like, okay, this is the situation. This is what's going on, and this is how I believe we should approach the matter. That's how I've done it. It's worked for me. I I've, <laughs> I never forget. I had a uh, I had a member of the church that was very antagonistic. Her whole role at the church was to antagonize every pastor. That's what she did. Every pastor that was appointed to that church, her role was to antagonize. And when I got appointed to the church, sure enough, they were just waiting. When she going to do it? When she going to do it? And sure enough, she did. And i never forget we were at a board meeting, and she just raised up some issue that was not important at all and pressed it and pressed it. And when I say the members of the board got dead silent and looked at me, and it was like, okay, here it is, showtime, let's get it going. Where the popcorn at? Oh, yeah, she finna, go, she finna tear him up, rip him to parts. And I listened to her, ran, and I was like, okay, sister, thank you very much. And moving on. Didn't even entertain it. And they were like, wait a minute, you ain't going to entertain it? You ain't got no rebuttal? I was like, for what? She said what she said. That, that This was... This was the discussion. I ain't got a part in the discussion. <laughs> uh, we got to move on a vote. And thank you for your discussion. And all in favor, let it be known by saying aye. Pow! That was the end of that. I gave no room for it, which kind of threw her for a loop because she's used to <laughs> the pastor, you know, challenging her. And I'm like, I ain't challenging you, you know. Uh, not a big deal to me, you know. All right, you'll get your way, and I'm gonna get mine because I'm the pastor. <laughs> but I believe when we do stuff like that as pastors, when we when we take personal issues to task behind the pulpit in a sermon, I believe we again trigger trauma. Because we think about the rant that um, uh, what's the name? That singer, gospel singer, not long ago, just a few weeks ago, went on a rant uh, a few months ago, and I think it was in June, July. Went on this rant about the church and called it, you know, BS and all that kind of. I mean, it was <laughs> it was something. but the whole time she was dealing with hurt that she believed. She had experienced, and she was a pastor, Leandria Johnson. That's her name. Thank you, Leandria Johnson. She has all this trauma, both as a preacher's kid, and then as pastor and as a gospel artist. And the only way she felt she could address it was by going live on Facebook and just going off. Something triggered that, and. I believe there are a lot of people in the church that sit there week after week and it's being built up because they're be, that trauma is being reinforced through messages that are not empowering and liberating. That people come in and they keep saying they want to be delivered from something if you know if they go to that type of church. 
where they preach this kind of deliverance. And, you know, I, I, I remember growing up and I went to a church where they tarried until you got delivered. <laughs> and I, I never get that. I, I, we would be in church sometime hours. If it started at six o'clock, you won't be finished till 10 or 11 or sometimes as late as midnight. Cause they were going to tarry until you got delivered. If you didn't get delivered. They're going to pray, 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 pray until they saw evidence. However it was, whether you spoke in tongues, whether you foamed at the mouth, rolled on the floor, that was that evidence determining that you had been delivered. Thank God we don't do that. Thank God we're delivered from that. <laughs> but most times people would go back and they would have that experience. But they weren't really delivered. They had an experience. And sometimes people would want to come back to re-experience the experience because they feel that the experience was good enough. And then the preacher harps back on the sin thing, how wrong they are. I was at a church one time. and not a, I was in a church one time when it actually happened. Uh, this preacher was, uh, you know, he knew people. You know, I think it was a family church, but... But he knew folk. He knew what their business was. And every Sunday, he put it on blast. He still ain't uh, He's like, you still ain't saved. You still ain't delivered. You, I saw you doing this. And this would be for the pulpit. He'd do this. And he tried to call me out one time. And I was like, man, you don't know me like that. I know I come. I was in college. And we go as uh, one of the churches. They have Sunday night service, and I, I'd go. And I'm like, you don't know me like that, dude. You know, just, you know, because I'm in college, you just assuming I'm doing college stuff. And he didn't know I was a minister either, so. <laughs> when I when I talk about triggers, um, I'm bringing up this last story here. And um, this comes from, again, uh, Sister Ann Block. And Brock's old black show, uh, old black church block. There's a popular pastor called uh, named uh, Matthew Stevenson. I'm not gonna call him doctor because he don't have a doctor doctor, you know. At least I have no evidence of it. Uh, and I'm sorry if I offended him. If you want to be called doctor, that's fine. I, I, I just if you earned it, you're gonna be earning the title doctor. You calling you doctor. <laughs> But if you just doctor just because okay, this is just personal point of preference, okay? So point of privilege. But anyway, Dr. Matthew Stevenson has been under fire. I guess that's a a a, a good way of putting it. Um there's a video of him preaching and what he's um what he said came across as being offensive to some persons. He talked about um, you know, Women looking at him in his tight pants or whatever, or was it men? I don't know. I, I couldn't understand if he was the clip, the clip wasn't clear as who he was addressing. With the people looking at him, he said they, you know, she looking at him or he looking at him. And then in the latter part of the video, he he's calling a woman fat. It's like if you got rolls, you know, ain't gonna want you. You need to do something about that. And of course. Yeah, that that did something to a lot of folk. And there are persons on the road, on the 
on the web who are saying that he is closeted homosexual. I don't know, really don't care if he is or he isn't. He isn't. Um, but there was a, uh, he had a video saying that his wife ministers uh, uh, either at porn conventions or strip clubs or something like that. And he says that's her ministry. He's a seer. He can't do that because he'll have he doesn't want those thoughts in his eyes or something like that. I that's neither here nor there. But he has come under fire for the comments because uh, you know it has they've been saying that it, he's coming across as a bully. He called one person who uh, he made a Facebook post about renovations in his church that were completed, and somebody somebody commented. And uh, the response that he gave to the commenter was by calling him ugly and then went on from there. And that went viral. And while he has plenty of persons supporting him, as many persons probably as uh, uh, not supporting him, the issue again comes back to is the church reinforcing and triggering trauma. You know, the church is supposed to be a place of healing, and his followers, even uh, those members of his church, and I don't like to use, I shouldn't have used that word followers, but those members, particularly those women who heard him say that, they're already traumatized by the fact that they don't have the image that society wants them to have. In my opinion, the, 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 I'm not going to say the bigger the better, but, you know, it, you know, <laughs> My type is my type, <laughs> but but to hear that and and many many were were shouting in it and, I, and also I would think about uh, a comment by uh, Jamal Bryan when he he made a comment while he was preaching and he said uh, a line from a popular song and I'm not going to say what the line was but when he included that in his sermon. Uh, the audience and the congregation comprised mostly of women reacted in a positive way by shouting and yeah but then they may have gone home and this again is speculation but they may have gone home probably feeling man I fit that description I am this person should I go back to this church when he just insulted me should I am I not doing enough even though I'm working out and my body is an image is it may not be as important as it it was, but now it is because it's come to the consciousness it comes to my consciousness because it's my pastor says that I am not what I should be, I could be better, I may be just big boned, but big bone isn't attractive, according to my pastor. So now I go back to this church Sunday and my pastor's wife is nice, lean, trim and all this. And here I am. I don't fit what he like. And even though I don't want my pastor to be attracted to me, I want my pastor to be attracted to me. I want to be able to say I'm attractive. And I'm a member of an attractive pastors and pastor wife, first lady church. Think about that. Is that triggering something is that creating a greater sense of anxiety? I think we got to do better. I think we can do better. I think we will be doing better when we take the emphasis off of ourselves as pastors, as pre- preachers, as, as clergy altogether, 
and as Christians, if we are to be relational, we are to be relational. If we're going to be authentic, we need to do so and definitely need to be encouraging and loving. We have to be. And the thing about all of this, the, the, the end of the matter is how will we show God's love? How will we show the love of Christ when we have people in our congregations who are silently dealing with issues, who are silently struggling with trauma that happened maybe in their youth, maybe not so long ago, maybe very recently, and they come to church and something triggers that. And they may react in a positive way at first. They may react by crying, by lifting their hands, doing all this stuff. But then they go back home and they're like, okay, now what? The expectation is something of change. And, and I, 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 I've learned that we can't, we can't put that out there. We must, you know, we must give them this sense of hope. As Paul writes, we must let them know that that hope is still there, it's present. And we must be an environment, a place where believers in Christ can gather in their humanity, in their frailty, and find a sense of community, a community that is non judgmental. I'm not talking about the judge, not lest ye be judged. I'm, I'm talking about the, a community that recognizes that all of us are sinners. That's what we love to say. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there is no hierarchical sin. No sin is greater than the other. And we shouldn't focus only on behavioral sins and things of that nature that we can see and we can call out. But we should be a community of believers who know we've all been trauma. By something Sin in and of, of itself Being a sinful creature Is traumatizing enough And every week I think we should reinforce How we go about doing that So I think we can do it I, I, I have committed myself to doing it And I believe we can do that Look, I want to invite you to Like the page on YouTube uh, Since I'm trying this live I don't know how but um, yeah, like the page on you, like the like this video, subscribe to the page. That's how it is, and you can support me by going to Patreon, uh, and I'll put the information there in the description. You can also follow me on all the social media that I'm on as uh, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and invite you to uh, especially um, listen in as I try to do this new medium. I don't know. I'll, I'll get better at it. Uh, I'll take some Skillshare classes <laughs> get better. But again, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll try to do this often as we can on uh, Wednesdays. Uh, we may change the time. Right now it's 11 on Wednesdays. But anyway, go to blogtalkradio.com slash zero today. Catch up on all archive shows. We've been doing this for the last eight years. Uh, and what, uh, nine years? Eight years? Yeah, well, however long we've been doing it. We've been doing it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, keep us in your thoughts and your prayers. We do this good. We'll try to keep going. And we thank you for your support. And I'm going to get out of here um, as I do. 
on um, Facebook. I'm uh, not Facebook on Blog Talk. So, all right. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great one. God bless you.